0: Welcome to The Anthroposopher, where we bring Anthroposophy to life through interviews, conversations, and explorations. In this interview with Joan Slee from the Executive Council in Dornach, Switzerland, we talk about prayer and meditation, the disconnection that occurs in modern life, and the courage to truly meet others.
1: Good morning, Laura. Good, good morning. that you had a good night's sleep and that you're well.
0: I did, thank you. <laughs> it's very lovely to be here with you in the Gurtianam. Um, and it's just such an amazing, beautiful place. And I'm thankful that we're here in your office and talking today.
1: Yes. yes. Welcome to this office and to this amazing place. Yeah. It is amazing on many different levels and it has, of course, many different levels to it many different aspects to it but it is a very special center.
0: It is and you can really feel that. Yeah. Could we start out by just talking a little bit about your connection to Anthroposophy that like original you know like how it came into you.
1: Yes yeah. well it came into me with my mother's milk we can uh-huh. say I was born into it. Mm-hmm. My grandfather in fact um, started the Camp Hill movement which is um, a whole international movement of life-sharing communities Mm -hmm. for and with handicapped people or disabled people or people with special needs, Mm -hmm. I think we say now. Mm -hmm. And um, my mother grew up in one of the first Camp Hill places in Scotland. He was Austrian, had to leave Austria during the Second World War and started Camp Hill in Scotland, which is where my mother grew up. And then my parents started a Camp Hill place in South Africa into which I was born. So, I was born into the anthroposophical um, way of life, I think one can call it.
0: Right, right. And so, so you have this rich family history with Karl Koenig and Campbell and your parents and living there right away. And when did you, like, tell me about the study? Like, when did you start to read? Or was it all familiar when you started to read it anyway, because you saw it living in your house?
1: That's a good question. You know, I grew up with it. My father was a Christian community priest then as well. So I grew up with the Christian community and with anthroposophy as kind of part of life. And I think for a long time, I was unaware of it being different anywhere else. And I got to know that gradually as a teenager that other people don't necessarily think the same way or act the same way and then I started studying, I started reading and yes on the one hand it was natural and completely understandable because it kind of was inside of me yeah. but on the other hand it was important to try and access it um, intellectually I suppose one can call it. Mm-hmm to wake up what felt natural to me into a real conceptual system I suppose one can say not that anthroposophy is a system but it is divided into very many areas which one can understand conceptually.
0: Great so many areas. So many areas. <laughs> so, many areas. <laughs> yes. so so you have the Christian community and then you have anthroposophy in your house and I know um, one of the topics you've you've talked about, I've heard you talk about, it, is prayer and meditation. Yes. And could you just say a little bit about that? Because sometimes people feel a division, sometimes they feel a connection, sometimes yes. it all goes together. Yes, and part of
1: the history of the anthroposophical development, nearly 100 years now, is exactly that, that, um, that some people feel the religion of the Christian community, in other words, the churchiness, doesn't belong to anthroposophy it's not meant as a religion which is absolutely true mm-hmm. and the Christian community has got that aspect that it has the ritualistic church aspect mm-hmm. but the whole idea is to bring an understanding through the spiritual science which you would have done and developed into the religiosity that it's not just a soul believing, yeah, a belief system or a dogma even. Right. But that it's it's a way of understanding the spirituality in its biggest, widest sense, mm. but also the importance of the cultic activity, the ritualistic right. part of that. Right. So then we can often come the question is, so how how can you belong to both the Christian community and to anthroposophy if they're two completely different approaches to spirituality and I think that is exactly the point that they complement each other at least for me they complement each other Mm -hmm. because the one is more on the soul level no, let's say the entry point is more on the soul level Mm -hmm. Um, where in the congregation of a church you feel within a group of people with whom you have similar ideas and can talk about things or we can also say an approach to the spiritual world through through the area of prayer Right. And prayer I see as a conversation with the spiritual world from my perspective to the spiritual world, we mm-hmm. could say, whether we call them angels or, or the God or Christ or whoever one is praying to, it's a conversation which begins from my soul level and opens up to the spiritual world. Right. Whereas um, anthroposophy in the esoteric path, mm-hmm. which is given through anthroposophy, one is asked to come more from an understanding of the spiritual world and then relate that to the human being. Mm-hmm. So it's almost an an entry point from the other side. The one is entering from the heart, like mm-hmm. the shepherds do, we could say. Yes. And the other is entering from the cognitive understanding of the spirit and bringing that then into the heart, into the human understanding. So they're two different approaches to the same thing. Right. And this is characteristic for Rudolf Steiner as well, that he again and again said the same thing from a different point of view, from a different angle, with different words,
0: mm-hmm.
1: partly depending on the people he was speaking to, but also trying to show that we human beings cannot only have one perspective on thing. We are limited in our understanding, of course, yeah. and therefore we need to look at it from different points of view.
0: Mm, that is so beautiful. And he does do that again and again. And it's nice again to hear this sort of clarifying or just this picture of the how they are complementary in the ways that they're different in the ways that they lead to the same thing you know yes. um, that's we, so we great. could
1: almost say that um, anthroposophy in the esoteric 19 class lessons which he gives mm-hmm. which are which one needs to t- take a conscious step to joining that esoteric path It doesn't come automatically mm-hmm. you have to really take a conscious step to become a member of that path um because that is, and that is more scientific approach. We could say it is a science of the spirit, mm-hmm. whereas anthropo- um, the Christian community and that path is more, we could say, an art of the spirit. We could mm-hmm. say the one is the artistic approach mm-hmm. through opening one's soul to something greater, mm-hmm. and the other is a scientific approach, which is the um, a cognizing of the truth. Mm-hmm. So just two different paths, which both belong to the same. Both belong to spirituality, right. both belong to the spirit, I would say.
0: And, and I would say, as, as human beings, we need to be able to do both of those. Like, we need to be able to approach problems and approach life from both of these ways, you know? Absolutely, so. because
1: we live with our soul and with our spirit Absolutely. within our body. Yes, And therefore, these, it's actually three realms we need, because we also need the understanding of the physical world, the right. earthly world, right. because we stand in it with our sense-perceptible body, yes. sense percepting, sense organs, we stand in this world, mm-hmm. and need to know that as well. Mm-hmm. So natural science, soul science, and spiritual science are all the three aspects which I think anthroposophy enlightens, we can say, or gives us a deeper understanding of.
0: Beautiful. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and one could say that anthroposophy is actually manifests in the world on those three levels. hmm Because on the one hand we've got what I call the esoteric path, a path of inner development, which is a path of inner practice. Mm -hmm. And yes, it can go as far as these 19 lessons, but anybody can start with any of the meditations verses, ideas given by Rudolf Steiner and take oneself seriously enough to take oneself on an inner path. Because it's about taking oneself on that inner path out of one's own free will. Mm -hmm. So that's the one aspect which is more, we could say, the spiritual science. where our spirit is at home, or our spiritual aspect is at home. The second manifestation of Anthroposophy is in what we call the Anthroposophical Society, which is all people, it's open to anybody who sees Anthroposophy as a worthy and important approach to life, lifestyle, in our time. Mm -hmm. And the society, the members of the society are people who further their own understanding of anthroposophy and help to bring anthroposophy into the community into society at large Mm -hmm. by caring for the soul aspects of human beings, in other words our thinking our feeling and our willingness, how can we develop those to be more um, adequate ethical contributors of life and that's the society Mm -hmm. level, the soul level and then we have the um, move, what we call the anthroposophical movement, which is in a way applied anthroposophy in the practical working areas, working fields, where we, which is probably the most known in the world now, which is biodynamic farming, all of education, um, the arts, the crafts, um, medicine. Medicine, of mm-hmm. course, absolutely. Um, yeah. And all of these different applied areas where Rudolf Steiner actually gave impulses to all the different work areas of life that he was asked to. Curative education is a big one. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And helped to bring a spiritualized understanding of what we anyway do every day.
0: Yes, and and that's where I always am blown away because (laughs) there's something about everything, you know? And he always answered when anybody asked a question. And you come here to this spot Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. the whole building all the paths everything around is so thoughtful there's always a why behind everything Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. a spiritual why Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is just gorgeous and I feel like people are always looking for this now Mm -hmm. they Mm -hmm. they are just searching so Mm -hmm. much for a, a, an inner path or a, a meaning in the outer. Exactly. And it's all, it's here, you know, if you, if you look. <laughs> and that's what's special about this place because it's got, in a way, the
1: the leadership. We call them sections, which is the word which Rudolf Steiner gave in those days. Mm-hmm. But each of the sections of those work areas, you know, education, medicine, art, um, agriculture, all of that, curative education, all of those have their, their le- leadership here, their center here, mm-hmm. you know, their... The head office, we could say here at the Gothianum and therefore one can really see that that's what I meant with these multi-levelled aspects. I mean, the whole building is actually built in this threefold structure, mm. which is interesting. That you've got the big, the big hall mm-hmm. with a painted ceiling, and that is, in a way, we could say the core of the spiritual substance Mm -hmm. then we've got here this area where we're sitting now which is the big meeting area with all our rooms and where the society is at home and the society offices for the membership and all of that where we have these conversations and meetings and discussions and then the the first floor Mm -hmm. is that that place of hospitality of Mm. meeting of a place which is hopefully welcoming to the public where people can come in, where there's the reception, there's the cafeteria, there's mm-hmm. a big meeting space
0: mm-hmm.
1: and which is then for the movement for the
0: people yeah. of the world. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, it feels like that. It does. And it was amazing to see all the sections set up yes. down there yes. and all the people interested in going to find yes. out more yes. about agriculture and more about... Social science, it's more. Of, I mean, there's just so much. Yes. So, um, mm-hmm. I guess, I guess on a practical level, I would ask you, and we didn't really talk about your position here, but um, we can say a little bit more about that, perhaps. But for the world today, you know, we've said people are searching, and you know, what what they decide when they decide to go on this path. What do you feel like the healing impulses? that are necessary for today. What, what is necessary for today? Because it is so fast, and is so there's so much suffering, and there's so much change. Like, the speed is... I, I mean, maybe it felt this fast in 1920, uh, maybe it did, but it just seems a little faster right now, and I think it can be hard to cope with that. Um, and so you see things being left behind or with children and education and things like this.
1: Yes, I think I think a term one can give, which many people have used, people who are working especially with social, with social understanding, trying to find a social understanding of what's happening in the world at the moment, they express this as a disconnect, having Tor, mm. for example, who works in... Vietnam has has got an amazing project going in Vietnam. After he's worked in Bhutan and brought about this laughter and love and warmth as the. What do you measure the success of a country by? What are those words? Oh, the uh, the standards? No, no, this is um, something. Product doesn't matter. And he's brought that as happiness. Happiness is mm. the. how you measure the health of a society is by the level of happiness. And he brought a whole program there. And now he's bringing a whole program of healing into Vietnam. Um, Anyway, what he calls this is the disconnect, that we have mm -hmm. a disconnect on all levels, that we as human beings are disconnected from our environment, our natural environment, Mm -hmm. that we are disconnected socially from each other in society, Mm -hmm. coming into this total egoism. And also this feeling of rights that I've got a right, and I forget that other people have the same rights as me, mm-hmm. and then also disconnect in terms of our spiritual potential, our spiritual origin, we could say, and mm-hmm. we feel this, and I think because we're feeling disconnected, there is yes, on the one hand the speeding up of everything in the in a in a kind of unconscious attempt to find something. We're all mm. searching, looking, fi- trying to find something. But I think what also plays into that is the digital world, that things can go everywhere at within a second. Definitely. You can get any information you want about anything within seconds, and you can hand put out your opinion and your frustration and your feelings within a few seconds to the whole world. And I think that has speeded up this whole process of the human psyche and we live in a one directional putting out expression of one's emotional opinions Mm -hmm. and or reactivity reacting to what we see and so what needs time to become proactive Mm -hmm. has become, has lost that because it takes time to develop a true impulse to put out consciously and we're just reacting so we've become we've gone into a level of reactivity which we can do immediately so i think that's part of the speeded up thing Mm -hmm. and in a way i think that's what the inner path does it asks you to slow down even if it's just for five minutes in a day to take yourself out of the -the run-of-the-mill reactive situation and to just say stop where am i in all of this Mm-hmm. And I think to reconnect with oneself, even if it's only five minutes in a day, the more the better. Well, within reason. Within I think, and helps. five is
0: good. Five is good. Yes, I would feel really good about five. Yes, <laughs>
1: exactly. exactly. Where do
0: you find those five yes, minutes I'm in a day? I'm still searching for those. Like, <laughs> uh, to break it into uh, one-minute sections. There you go. <laughs> even that is good. But just to
1: stop and breathe for a moment, yeah. and to reflect just to see where do i stay where am i actually Mm -hmm. you know and we are on the one hand completely self-centered in a way in that we're just putting out our stuff on the other hand we we don't know who we are we don't we're not in ourselves you know what i mean so there's that funny dichotomy that we are all living with Mm -hmm. and i think that's where anthroposophy can help because it can say you are important Mm -hmm. every thought you have is important every feeling you have has its effects Everything is, has a consequence. And therefore, just slow down and recognize where you're at. Do you know what you're feeling mm-hmm. right now? Do you know what you're, th- what you're thinking, what you're thinking out of? And can we create the conditions within ourselves mm-hmm. to find a connection again to ourself and through that to the world? Mm. You know, and basically, it's just slow down on the one hand. And secondly, take yourself seriously. Yeah. Take yourself seriously enough not in an egoistic manner but in a in a in an accountable manner because if I know and I've got all the information in the world we've never had so much information about everything. So in a way there is no reason not to act ethically. You know, to if right. I know how my clothes are produced, how my food is produced, what's happening to the soil, what's mm-hmm. happening with the global warming And all of these things, if I know it, then I can act accordingly. There's Mm -hmm. no reason why I can't except for that inner resistance and the fact (laughs) that I'm in such a mode of reactivity and trying to keep up with all my programs in the day that I don't even consider it. Right. But that's one of these aspects which I think Anthroposophy is asking of us and helping us with is accountability. Yes. Can we be accountable
0: and so how do you do this in personal relationships because I think that this too okay so you can have this picture of the world and how you can act more responsibly but then when we come to the people we live with or the people we work with or I don't anything um there a breakdown can happen mm-hmm. I think it's because you know partly you're saying if you don't know who you are you don't take yourself seriously Mm. or you don't realize that your thoughts and your feelings Mm. you know can have this Mm. impact
1: Mm. yes in terms I mean that's a good starting point where do we start with our connections to our co-workers to our friends to the person I meet on the street to person I sit next to on the train um why is it so difficult to connect Mm -hmm. you know why are we disconnected and some are, yes, of course it's we egoistic and we're stuck in ourselves, and that's so easy to say. But why is that? You know, And I think on the one hand, we do live in a time where we are asked to take ourselves on and get to know ourselves, and there's no other way than actually entering into my pain, my suffering, my limitations, my guilt, my shame, all of that. And these are important things to feel, but I like to avoid them because they're not comfortable. Yeah. And then if I'm so busy with that, it becomes even more of a challenge to meet another person. Because what am I doing when I look out into the world, when I look at a person? It means I need to actually leave myself behind and really go beyond myself to even just look at another person. In their eyes. Just to
0: see them in their eyes. Yes.
1: yes. Yes. And then if I really look at a person clearly with interest, I see more than just what I see, Mm -hmm. the the physical outer phenomena. Mm -hmm. And am I ready to take that in? Can I see the pain of another person? Can I see the tiredness and the questions and the searching in the eyes of another? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And that, of course, reflects in my own pain and suffering. And am I ready to see that? And that's mm-hmm. difficult. So I just block myself off, and therefore I don't really want to see people. So mm-hmm. you know, you know, it, at least if I want to, it makes it difficult. And Rudolf Steiner describes that because we've become so aware of ourselves, so self-reflective,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is important, it's become all the more difficult to meet another human being because their pain reflects in my pain, and rightly so. Mm-hmm. But how can I? How can I cope with that? So we, I think we need to face up to the fact that it really takes courage mm. to meet another person.
0: Mm. Because it
1: need, means I need to know myself and go beyond myself. Mm. And am I prepared to do that at every moment of the day? Well, yes. it's... Wow. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, one can understand that. Yeah. And then, of course, because I'm not comfortable in myself and I don't know myself, I end up projecting my my frustration my unknowing my fear my guilt my shame onto everybody else I see without knowing it and without meaning to but then I see the the um the mismanagement the failings the patheticness of everybody else Mm -hmm. because I'm feeling because it's reflected in myself right you know and so I I see that in another Mm -hmm. and then it's, of course, much more easy to see it in another than it is to see it in myself. So I go around judging people, and we are so judgmental. Oh, Even these quick minutes, oh, you idiot, or look at that person. I even think those things, even if I don't express them. Yeah. And you know, I was a teacher, and... In South Africa, where there was um, a real need for healing in our, after the apartheid, mm-hmm. and our schools and our teacher trainings where I worked were full of cultural diversity, and we had to find a way of bridging these gaps, bridging these, yeah, you know, the gaps, the, the thresholds between the different cultures, and we worked with that in the children, and mm. we really saw, and we worked with our parents with this whole thing of put downs. And then, how quick are we with put downs? Oh, you idiot! Oh, you fool! or oh, don't be so silly! All of those are put downs. And what is the message we give to the children? Mm-hmm. And it's and it's well known that the second most common reason for suicide is um, put downs and bullying, which mm-hmm. starts or bullying, which starts with put downs, which starts with not accepting the other person as being different and worthy and dignified. Mm-hmm. As a human, as a human being, Mm -hmm. and that's where it starts. And we need to start with the children, with or at least with ourselves, and then with our children to give them the right message somehow. So that's a healing aspect, but it all comes down to one main thing, which is, I would say, the core of anthroposophy, and that is seeing the human being as a multi-levelled, complex organism. Mm -hmm. You know. That we are, we, it's easy to say the human being consists of body, soul, and spirit. Yes, of course, but what does that mean?
0: Mm-hmm,
1: and how do we work with that every day? And that's what anthroposophy gives us. At least that's one of the things which anthroposophy is based on this call, I suppose, to see every human being as, in a way, a spiritual entity, mm-hmm. uh, a wo- an entity, a being worthy of. Well, the full reverence and dignity that we feel and know that we are worthy of somewhere deep down in ourselves. We all know that. Yeah. We all know that we've got a potential we haven't yet manifested yeah, and that we've got the potential to grow and to become. And I think the, the, the one of the biggest healing qualities in the world would be if we learn to see every human being in that aspect.
0: Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that would be beautiful. And I think we have to do that. Well, maybe I'm just a product of my time. But I think once we see that about ourselves, or maybe we see it about a child, or we, then we can transfer it and transfer it and just perceive it in everybody but it takes yeah. hard work it's, it's not hard easy work yes and as i said we need
1: courage one of the yeah. f- the first step of an encounter is to have the courage to actually step into that in between space mm-hmm. that space of unknowing that space where i don't know what to expect of you and it's that i think that is part of the disconnect of our time to come back to that full circle where we started this but is that we need to find somehow the strength to step into the unknown Mm. To step into the un- uncalculable, the unpredictable, the mm. yes,
0: the
1: yeah, the unknown, and yeah. we don't have the capacities to step into the unknown, and we have to step. That's the, that's what our our time, our world situation is asking us. Yeah. It's saying, what has all the systems that have held up to this point, whether they are social, cultural, financial scientific any of the systems that we are ba- we base our life on we all know they don't hold anymore they don't apply yeah, anymore
0: that is true
1: <laughs> and so this question is we have to make a radical change into the unknown mm. and we don't have the capacities to do that and john keats in a letter to one of his friends i think wrote um, we have to learn to have negative live with negative capabilities manifest negative capabilities and it doesn't mean That we don't have capabilities, it means we have to learn to take the step into the unknown without the capabilities we need for that unknown. Mm. But as Gandhi says, the path is made by walking it. Right, right. And so we just have to learn to have the courage to do that and make mistakes and fall and suffer. Mm -hmm. And who wants to do that?
0: right but we all do whether we whether we want to or not we, we all we all do right we have to. yes yeah. well mm. thank you so much for talking to, to to me today it's just amazing to hear this perspective i guess is there anything else you want to add like in summary you know yes well we've got to this point of the
1: encounter with another human being and i think that that is the key that we learn to step beyond, learn to take on this question of really encountering, really encountering another human being. Because as many, many people, not only the philosophers, but any wise people know that it all depends on relationships. And more and more people are saying that it all mm-hmm. depends on relationships and on this on real relationships. And that takes us first first step is courage to step into the unknown, But then to go beyond that and develop the capacities of empathy within ourselves. That's a new word and it's a new capacity, empathy, which means I stand truly in my own truth, like mm-hmm. Nelson Mandela showed us. Mm-hmm. I can stand completely in my own truth and without losing, my authenticity can open, at least try to, to understand the truth of another. And that's an expanded self which is asked, where I don't lose myself but stand firmly in myself and yet expand to include the otherness of others. And that is, I think, a big task for the future, for now, is to develop empathy. And anthroposophy is one of the ways that we can do, learn to do that. It's not the only way, but it is one of the ways which is, I think, tuned to our time. That means which goes through the conscious understanding of spiritual science and natural science, and tries okay. to bring those two together, and tries to tries to bridge this disconnection that we've got mm-hmm. in, in on all levels that we've talked about. And with that comes with a, with empathy, with this expanded self, comes this thing question of hospitality as well, that we open mm. to the guest, the guest who comes in as a foreigner. Mm -hmm. and Mm. needs to be foreign and brings something foreign, brings his otherness in. But if he doesn't come, then I can't be the host.
0: Yes. If I don't have a guest,
1: I can't be a host. So (laughs) the guest allows me to be a host and the host preparing the space and perhaps the meal, but it's his home. It's according to his, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's according to his. Customs and and way of being, exactly, standing in his home. He doesn't change his home for the guest. He stands to his home but opens it to the other to join in and Mm -hmm. share a meal, figuratively speaking.
0: Yeah, that's a great picture for what that means, to open that way. So
1: that's also part of this expanded self. So we've had this accountability where we really learn to bridge the knowing-doing gap. As some mm-hmm. people call it, that the we, knowing,
0: doing the gap. The knowing,
1: knowing, doing like gap. That. I've got the information. Yes. So can I act accordingly? That's accountability, that's, that's consequentiality. Yeah. But that needs that expand itself to go beyond myself. Mm-hmm. Know myself and go beyond myself. Mm-hmm. Hospitality is the same. And
0: mm-hmm. then through
1: that to acknowledge the otherness of another through empathy. Mm. These are the main things. We sometimes call it affirm the other, affirmation. Yeah. Affirmation of myself and the other. All of this has to do with an expanded perspective of the self. Yeah. And I think for me, that's how I would like to summarize what I see the possibility and potential, but maybe task of anthroposophy. Mm-hmm. And you said my position, I'm in the executive council here. And that is, that is what I see as my task, is to live anthroposophy yes and try and represent anthroposophy not by preaching it but by reaching out to people and allowing and welcoming them into a conversation into an encounter into a true beginning of a relationship let's say
0: Mm -hmm. that's beautiful if we all did that
1: (laughs) Well, we can, I can't do it either, but we can strive to do that. We can strive. We can take that as an ideal. Yes, right. We all can't do it. Right. We wouldn't be here on earth if we were angels. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think we've, at least if we I think it's important to, to set a goal.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Even if it's stepping into the unknown, which it is.
0: Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much. This Laura it's been, been great to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's been great to talk to you too. It's been yes. enlightening. Going <laughs> <Yes. laughs> to take this all home and you know think about children and my neighbors and my colleagues and my parents at our school and yes. you know just this experience you know we, we had this experience where you're looking in my eyes and I'm looking in your eyes and it is such a it is a powerful so, thing yeah. and it can be and it takes courage for sure. Yeah. So thanks for And that.
1: it takes, yes, courage to, to own one's own vulnerability and to yeah. acknowledge that because that's Ooh. what's part of it. Absolutely. So let's try. Let's and we try. will fail, but we can keep trying.
0: Thanks for joining us today on The Anthroposopher. Stay tuned for our next episode.